Welcome to Season 3 of Trying Our Best, a mother-daughter good place podcast. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Mila. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 2 of The Good Place. When we left off, our four humans were all together in Australia, but a surprise came along the way. Trevor the demon had come to sabotage them. So in this episode, Trevor is pretending to be an over-the-top nice guy who's joining in with the experiment, but he's driving everyone crazy, and Michael shows up to confront him, but Michael can't really do anything because, one, he doesn't have his powers on Earth, and two, he can't let the humans know that he's the one who meddled with them to begin with. And so we have Trevor meddling with the humans on one end and then Michael on the other. And the humans don't know any of this. They, they don't know anything about the good place or the bad place or, or that they have had all of these experiences in the past because their memories have been wiped. And so they're both kind of bouncing the humans back and forth as they try to get their way. And it looks like Trevor's plan is going to work. Um, Eleanor is on the verge of quitting... Chidi is freaking out, and things just aren't going well for our four humans. And then things get even worse, because the doorman shows up and says, Oh, hey, the judge is looking for all three of you, to Trevor, Michael, and Janet, who has also been on Earth trying to help Michael meddle to get the humans to stay together and to get rid of Trevor. And so they've been caught, basically. They've been caught meddling, they've been caught breaking the judge's rules, and there's gonna be some serious consequences for that. And so we'll talk a little more at the end of this episode about the cliffhanger it leaves us on. But basically, all of this is going on behind the humans' backs. They still think that they're just in an experiment to find out how near-death experiences impacted them, and they have no idea that basically there's a demon and an ex-demon battling over their souls and trying to get them either to the good place or the bad place, trying to get them to be better people or get them to be worse people. And so that's all happening without them knowing about it. So that leaves us to our first topic, the butterfly effect, which is the effect where Every little decision can make a big impact. So the term the butterfly effect comes from chaos theory, and it's this idea that a tiny little thing that happens now could have some major impact later on in, a, in the path that we can't know about. And it's called the butterfly effect because it comes from a metaphor of saying that maybe a butterfly flapping its wings could cause a tornado because that one little flap could ripple out and, and have these huge impacts. And again, that's a metaphor. We're not saying that butterflies really do cause tornadoes. And so it comes into this episode because, Ayla, what do we find out has been happening while Michael and Trevor have been meddling with the humans on Earth? The judge says that Michael, Janet, and Trevor have been causing all kinds of trouble. Turns out that the Jacksonville Jaguars are actually good now, and and some weird guy now owns the Weather Channel, and things just changed. What I think is really funny about that scene is that um, the judge is is stating things that actually were happening in real life at that time. And we often try to kind of find ways to make sense of things that seem ridiculous, things that seem like they shouldn't be happening. And we might try to look back at the past and say, oh, that caused this. Um, and we don't really have any way of knowing for sure. But sometimes we really can trace a path between what seemed like a small event at the time and what becomes a large event later. And sometimes we're just kind of 
connecting dots that don't really connect just to try to make it make sense for ourselves. So when we talk about um, these connections between the past and the present, we're always just doing our best to kind of construct the story of how those things connected to one another. And it's hard to tell how these decisions will impact the future because you can find silver linings. For example, if this pandemic had never happened, I would... uh, I would have never been as close to some of my friends as I am now. This reminds me of a story that I was reading when I was studying Stoicism, and this is actually a Taoist story, um, but it, it gets brought up a lot in Stoicism when they talk about the fact that you can't really predict the future. You don't know how what you do today is going to affect the future because it's not all within your control. A lot of the things that happen are outside of your control. And so the story is that there is an old man and he he's a farmer and he's using his horse to work in, in his fields on his crops and the horse runs away and the neighbors all go, oh, what bad luck. And the old man goes, it could be, we'll have to wait and see. And then the horse comes back and brings some three other wild horses with it. So now the man has three times as many or I guess four times as many horses as he had before. And the neighbor's like, oh, what good luck. And the man says, could be, we'll have to wait and see. And then um, the man's son is trying to ride one of the wild horses and he gets thrown and breaks his leg. And the neighbors again go, oh, goodness, what bad luck you have. And as you can guess by now, the man says, it could be, we'll have to wait and see. And then the next day... Uh, military officials come by and they would have made his son go off to fight in a war, but since his leg was broken, he didn't have to. And so the idea here is just that your fortune is not always predictable for how what happens in the past is going to impact the future. It might seem like it's going to be a good thing, but not. It might seem like it's going to be a bad thing, but isn't. And that our attempts to know definitively how our actions that we take today are going to impact the future are often futile, that we're often not right about our predictions. And this is tricky because we know we can't control the future, but we also know that we have to care about the future. So we should try and make good choices and hope that it'll affect the future in a positive way. Janet and Michael are on Earth, they're both dealing with the fact that they don't have their usual powers. And Janet is having a particularly hard time with this because it has basically changed everything about who she is. She's especially frustrated that she has to actually pick things up with her hands and walk across the floor instead of just teleporting or making things appear. And she says how frustrating it is that so much time is wasted waiting for things to be over. In fact, she says humans only live 80 years and they spend so much of it waiting for things to be over. And this really made me think about the phrase carpe diem, which is Latin for seize the day. The idea that you're never promised tomorrow, you don't know what the future holds, which matches what we were just saying about the butterfly effect, and that the best you can do is do what you can with the time you have, the moment right now, take advantage of it, and live your life to its fullest. And that brings us to our question of the day. Should you seize the day or should you not? Pause the podcast, think about it, talk about it with someone, maybe even write about it, and then come back.
Welcome back. We're talking about whether or not you should seize the day. What do you think, Ayla? I think that it's important about what you do to seize the day. Because um, you can't just do whatever you want all day. You That it won't work out for you. You could want to sit around and play video games with your friends all day, but you can't do that. Why can't you do that? Why can't you just sit around and play video games with your friends all day? In fact, I'm going to go on record that some days you do. Well, the reason is, is because I have other goals in life. I I have things that I want to do, but I can't achieve those goals if I sit around in my room playing video games all day. Yeah, so I think this really gets to the heart of the issue we were just talking about. You can't predict the future, but if you don't spend some time thinking about the future and trying to prepare for it, you end up cutting yourself off from possibilities. So it is kind of frustrating to know that by giving up something you really want to do right now, you are taking a gamble of sorts and hoping that it pays off in the future when you can't really know for sure. So here's my question about that. Is the future something that just happens to us or is it something that we have a hand in building? I think that it's both. You can choose to change the future. But you have to do some things that you might not want to do first. And it's important for us to remember that our futures don't just happen in isolation. Our futures are intertwined with everybody else's futures and the choices that they're making. We're not just in this by ourselves. We're in it all together. And that we can't just consider how it might impact us, but how it might impact others. And that unpredictability comes from not only what outside forces hold for us, but what choices other people are making. So a lot of people will say you can do anything to boost your self-esteem, but it's actually true. You can do anything, just not right away. But if you work hard enough and you're patient enough, you can probably do anything. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned patience because patience is kind of the opposite of carpe diem, of seize the day, right? It's kind of saying don't be patient, go get it right now. But you're saying that if you aren't patient, that you probably won't be able to accomplish everything that you want to accomplish. That patience is part of it. And it also makes me think about how carpe diem can be used in a destructive way. Because for instance, we, we're we still isolating. Um, as, as we record this, the pandemic is more deadly than it's ever been. And we know that if we expose ourselves to the virus, we could end up hurting somebody else because we could get somebody sick who might not survive it. Or, you know, it could even impact us in ways that we're not expecting. And so we're not seizing the day right now, right? We're, we're missing out on a lot of things we want to do. Like you're not going to climbing class. We're not going out to eat at restaurants. We're only seeing um, a very small number of people so that we make sure that we aren't spreading the virus. And it really is about patience and it is wearing us all very thin and we wish that it was over. Um But I think that's an example when carpe diem would be a dangerous thing to adopt, right? Because carpe diem would mean if we wanted to seize the day. If I wanted to seize the day right now and do whatever I wanted, I would probably go out to uh, the city museum and have a lot of fun there. But it would probably get a lot of others and possibly me sick and that would hurt people and I don't want to hurt people just so I can have fun. 
So it sounds like we agree that you can't always seize the day. If you just do whatever you want with every moment, that you might hurt other people and you also might hurt yourself because you might close down some opportunities for the future. However, are, is there something behind carpe diem? Should we sometimes seize the day? There is a such thing as too much patience. As he learned from Chidi, he was always so indecisive and he could never make a decision. And that's how he would have died if Michael hadn't helped him and that whole test thing. Because he was too indecisive and an air conditioner almost fell on his head. Great example. Yeah, Chidi's whole lesson in this is carpe diem, learning how to seize the day, learning how to take advantage of the moment he has. But then someone like Jason does not need any help carpe diem, right? Like he he definitely seizes the day probably too much and he needs to learn to step back and have that patience. And so we definitely see that it's not advice that you can just give universally, that each individual person has to evaluate how it fits into their life and what they've been doing. And so it sounds like we can say that Yeah, sometimes you do need to seize the day, but you need to do it with focus. You need to do it intentionally. You need to think about why you're doing it and how it's going to potentially impact you and others. So that brings us back to the episode where the judge just busted them and they're ending the, she's shutting down the whole experiment, the whole thing about trying to make the humans better They're on their own now, and Janet and Michael are both going to the bad place where Michael's going to get retired and Janet's going to be marbleized. So it's definitely not looking good for anyone because the humans are probably not going to do so great without these interventions, or at least that's kind of my take on it. And Michael and Janet are about to be destroyed. And so they take the really extreme and risky maneuver of running away from the judge And the doorman, because Michael was nice to him and gave him a frog coffee cup, lets him take the keys and escaping back onto Earth. So now all the humans are there. Trevor is not. And Michael and Janet are both on Earth without their powers. And we'll have to come back next week and see what happens. Wait, 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 wait. Hold the phone. This brings us back to the butterfly effect. Because if Michael had never made a small flap of his wings and given the doorman the coffee cup, then they then the doorman would have never given him the keys and they'd never have escaped. That's a really good observation. So we'll have to come back next week and see what else the butterfly flapping has caused. Mm-hmm.